You're the guy people call when they need a helping hand, moving furniture, unloading a truck. But lately, your shoulder's been acting up, and you're the one who's calling for help. And that's the moment you realize you can no longer shoulder the load. The Joint and Spine Center is Cincinnati's leading destination for orthopedic care with a range of surgical and non-surgical treatments. So when a moment has the power to change the rest of your life, go to the one place with the power to change it for the better, the Christ Hospital Health Network. This changes everything. The Pound This Podcast is brought to you by the Christ Hospital Health Network. This is the Pound This Podcast, episode 764, Making Fitness Fun with Matt Casey. I want to lose weight, but I don't know how to get started. What should I meal prep every week? How do I get those sweet booty gains? Inspiration for your healthy lifestyle. The Pound This Podcast with Amanda Valentine. Hello, friends. Before we get into the conversation with the very rad Matt Casey, I want to tell you about my amazing friend Sarah and Team Fit With Me if you're looking for an amazing team of health coaches. Sarah is awesome. She's been a part of this podcast for several years and has shared her own personal journey, and now she's helping other people on their journey through health and wellness. So maybe you're stuck on nutrition. You're not knowing what you should eat, what you should do, or maybe you have some hormonal issues in there. Maybe you have some PCOS, thyroid diseases. I know I found out I have Hashimoto's disease after doing some of the blood work that Sarah suggested, and that has made a big difference in kind of noticing my signs and symptoms and how that plays into what I eat and how I move my body. Also, if you're looking for some virtual training, all of that stuff, Sarah has got you covered. And right now you got 10% off month one of all packages, plans, and add-on services when you go to teamfitwithme.com slash pound this. And you're going to find that link in the show notes right now, though. Let's get chatting with Matt. Thank you so much for listening to the Founders Podcast. I am Amanda Valentine. My guest today is Matt Casey from Trilogy Fitness Systems. Hello, Matt. Hello, Amanda. How are you today? Well, I am fantastic. We have just spent the past hour and a half chatting. So. I wasn't sure if we were going to pretend that we were jumping in cold or if no. we were going to have all of that in there. <laughs> no. So it, it's so funny because like for people that listen to this podcast on the regular probably hear me say that all the time of like, wow, I just spent two hours talking to this person before we recorded. And they're like, yeah, Amanda can't shut up. <laughs> But people really can't show up in a room together, and it's going to be a bad time, right? <laughs> or, or a great time. I think I True. think that's going to be a great time. So I really wanted to chat with you. I mean, on this podcast, not also just for you know an hour and a half on Zoom, of because you so you own this gym in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and that uh, we follow each other on Instagram, but I'm like, I've never been to your gym before. And so for me, leaving my personal training job, one of my clients was like shopping around and looking at other gyms and she had a, a consultation with you and she's like, do you know this dude? And I'm like, I do not. And she is like, I feel like you two would be best friends. <laughs> and I'm she like, why? Not wrong so far. Right. And she's just like, He's got a three-legged dog. I'm like, say less. <laughs> I'm like, shut up. There's a three-legged dog at the gym. Oh, my God. And she's like, he had a Ninja Turtles water bottle. I'm like, oh, my God. I also own one of those. <laughs> and so uh, she's just like, yeah, I feel like you should know this person. And so I'm like, okay, well, let me do some stalking. And then, yeah, stalking your Instagram page. I'm like, yeah, this dude's a silly goose. And he works at a gym. I'm like, I feel like I should have you on the podcast and we should have a discussion about health and fitness. And I think that 
uh, multiple things I, I wanted to bring up with you other than our uh, hour and a half conversation we had before this, which I think we can go into is just kind of the, mm-hmm. the faults of the health and fitness industry. Um, is that, uh, well, one, I, I wanted to bring up that you are also, you teach. So, yeah. uh, and I wanted to go into kind of like your, your background, because it feels like one of the discussions we were having before we started recording is that for so many personal trainers or even gyms, there's a lot of shadiness in this mm-hmm. industry and that you don't, you're not required to be a certified personal trainer at some places. Like you can just be like, I went and lifted a dumbbell once and now I'm a personal trainer and you can sell that to people on the internet. You could go work at certain gyms that don't have any sort of standards to, that mm-hmm. are quality. You have to have these qualifications to work here. And so where I feel like probably the internet is flooded with these people that don't have those sort of certifications or qualifications that not only do you have an extensive background of, of qualifications and certifications, but that you also teach. So I kind of wanted to talk about that. Um, and what, I guess, start with your, your background of where you started and then how you went into getting in this like knowledgeable space of fitness. Okay. Yeah. So my, we talked about a little bit earlier, I want to try to make the biggest positive impact on an industry that I simultaneously love and am frustrated with quite often. Mm-hmm. So undergrad biomechanics degree. Oh, that's intense. That, and I realized what can I do with a biomechanics degree? And the answer is go to grad school or work in exercise lab. So I got my first certification, then went to grad school and thought I'm going to work with athletes. So I started interning, doing all those things. And then somebody with Pixar tattoos and King Kong tattoos on my arm reading comic books tends not to fit in well with the the athlete population. So I learned so much at that point and kept working as a personal trainer. And I realized, oh, I think I can do better work with normal people and providing people a space in training because so much of fitness ignores and neglects normal people and people who are uncomfortable with gyms or have never been to a gym before. So then I realized because I have a little bit more education than many trainers, I can use that to my benefit. So it's helped me career-wise, but then it also allows me to teach. So I've taught for one year at UC. I unfortunately one and done at UC. I don't want to continue there. I'm going to focus more on, this will be year three next year at Cincinnati State in our exercise science department. Uh, Mindy Piles, lady who runs that group, does such amazing work, and their kids come out so ready. But I wanted to try to, how can I kind of try to slightly guide and influence at least the Cincinnati area of fitness as much as I can to get these kids not to fall into the traps of Instagram marketing and all these other things and actually like learn the basics to treat people properly in any level that you could as a trainer. In terms of hospitality, training, knowledge, all the all the ways it could impact somebody. So I'm curious from a personal standpoint for for me, um, because I don't know a ton of, of these people. I do know some um, and a few in Cincinnati with working with students and all the personal trainers that you've worked with in, in your long career. How many of those people have like a personal experience like for me where I'm like I went through like a a weight loss journey a health journey and that changed my life so I'm like well I want to be in this industry now do you find that a lot of students 
or trainers kind of have that experience or are they just like they love training for themselves so they want to learn how to like build a career off of that? It tends to lead to that. Okay. It's, it's the latter more often than not because you and I were talking like I was the scrawny nerdy kid reading comic books and watching cartoons and then I found lifting and I was like, oh my God, lifting's amazing. I could maybe be built like a pro wrestler one day. This would be incredible. And so much of the fitness injury gets into it because we love training. We have a passion for training. We love training ourselves. I want to wear pajamas all day and work in a gym, become a personal trainer. Yeah. And it's the beauty of the industry that there's a low barrier of entry. It's a curse of the industry that there's a low barrier of entry at the same time. So like with, so tell me about, work me through your career then. I mean, so that's where your, your education began. Mm -hmm. So then how did you hop into working in, in health and fitness after you got your degree? Uh, so I started at Urban Active with your boy, Josh, mm -hmm. uh, Coring Avenue Urban Active in probably 2009, 2010-ish, somewhere around that ballpark. Started grad school interning, and then I was just kind of working at a couple of private gyms, and I worked at the JCC through the latter half of grad school. And then after grad school, I started developing my own client base privately, and as that built, I just slowly cut hours at all the other places until I could go completely solo. So I went completely solo around 2013-ish, question mark. Around <laughs> there, all kind of blurs together. <laughs> so then took over a gym in 2014-ish. That became Trilogy and then has grown since then. Okay. So what were your vibes on? Obviously, you're doing it, but like owning your own gym, what is that like versus just being a, a solo personal trainer? It's fun. I get to create things and like we were talking about just liking to do silly things. So I, I just get to do silly things when I want to do silly things, which is fun. But now I also have to, we have three full-time trainers and an intern. So now we, I have to learn new skills in terms of the business side. So it's a constant evolution now where before I would consume anything I could about training, I've slowed down on that to a bit because now I have to consume everything I can as a business owner of like, how can I make sure that, you know, Helen, Zach and Halen get a paycheck every week and <laughs> make sure that <laughs> I'm doing the best for them now, as well as a client base. Do you like that aspect of it? I really do. It took, it was a learning curve and an adjustment period, but I'm finding I like it more and more. Well, one of the things I, I definitely want to, to talk to you about because this is so much of, of my vibe of like just having fun um, and because I feel like most gym spaces definitely are not built around fun or I mean, not to throw like any like group places under the bus. I think it's under the guise of fun of like, we're so crazy here. We like we cheer when we spin yeah. and stuff like that of like. Uh, it's, but uh, I think a genuine like place, I think most people just kind of view the gym as a place of punishment of mm -hmm. like, I have to punish myself for what I eat. Um, or maybe you have fun with, with a friend or you're doing a Zumba class or something that's fine. You find fun in it. But I feel like overall, again, broad sweeping statement, most people don't see a gym space as being like a fun playtime place. So I mean, how important do you think that is? And how do you like cultivate that for you and your gym? I, fun is the best part of life. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> if something's not fun, it's not worth doing. 
and I, it's I don't know, as we talked about earlier, it's it's so hard because everything in fitness takes itself so seriously when it should be about, hey, can you walk up flight of steps easier? Can you run with your kids easier? Can you pick up and do something you've never thought you could do before? Can you jump in confidently at a group class with your friend and feel confident yourself to just try something for the first time ever? Yeah. And I think we can get to more of that by allowing people to have fun and see fun in it. And then when they enjoy it, when they have the fun, I think it takes away some of that self-seriousness, some of that, um, I guess, that insecurity side of it. Mm-hmm. I think it allows them to focus on, oh, my God, I had a great time. And, oh, I goblet squatted or I front squatted how much weight? Oh, my goodness. And that's when I think people can really blossom when they see it more as fun versus punishment of, oh, my God, my body can do these things. This is incredible. Well, and just even like looking at your social media, I'm like, I, I have not seen any other gym ever that incorporates puppets. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Francois. <laughs> <laughs> so like, to, like, I mean, I think that's freaking amazing as a person that keeps an inflatable T-Rex on me at all times and has literally like two to three rubbermaid tubs full of costumes <laughs> i'm like i'm like okay i'm like i see i see this this is this is pretty amazing so it's like yeah. how does how does that come into play where you're like you know what this gym needs a puppet <laughs> it turns out the muppets are not nearly as popular as i think they are in my brain <laughs> which was a shocking turn of events to me <laughs> but i wanted to I don't know. As I, I love the Muppets. I love cartoons and things like that. And I thought this would be a silly way to maybe get some genuine fitness information out. He's been a little quiet. Uh, his name is Francois LeBuff, for those of you who do not know about Francois. <laughs> He's a French PhD weightlifter. And he just gives fitness advice with Helen, one of my trainers here. And he interrupts her at lunch and he has her give a fun nutrition tip or a random fitness tip. And I just wanted to try to create something that was silly, that entertained me. So I would keep finding more ways to yeah. try to put out information. Uh, one of our, one of my buddies and former clients, TJ, he, he and his wife, their daughter loves Francois. Like she watches Francois videos before she goes to bed. Oh my God. <laughs> Francois awesome. will send her good morning videos every now and then <laughs> and things like that. Just to, just to keep their household a little happier. So do your, like, clients and other trainers think that this, like, are they, like, down? Do they think this is awesome? Or they're like, oh, God, he's pulling out the puppet again. It's, oh, God, he's pulling out the puppet again. <laughs> and then some laughter. And then, oh, my God, how did this shit turn out okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, this dude owns his place. And he's playing with yeah. his puppets. <laughs> so it's a combination of all of the above. It's eye rolls with, uh, he's stuck in the landing somehow. <laughs> So it's like when you want to do the videos with the other trainers, like how, like, and I'm not asking you to throw your other trainers under the bus or anything. Are they just kind of like, yeah, I'll play along? Are they like, okay, yeah, let's do this? It's, it's mostly, yeah, we'll play along. Okay. It, well, if you I need somebody to play puppets with, 
<laughs> I will come and bring all of my costumes. I am in for this. I dress up every year in Halloween here. I'm the only one that participates in this. So Oh my God. Yeah, well, I mean, this is all sounding familiar for me. I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely like the the always the weird one in the pack. Um well what's what's your best Halloween costume? What's what's the favorite one that you've been? Is uh, it fitness so I, related? I, I, every, I did Francois last year. Oh, so, okay. Did he dress up one? like you? Uh, yeah, ironically, no. I just carried him around as I dressed up as a giant Cookie Monster costume. <laughs> I then had to spend, it was two and a half, maybe three hours vacuuming all the blue from <laughs> the gym. <laughs> Helen looks like said, I am not touching this. This is, this is you, bro. <laughs> uh, I, my, probably like, I did not know this was going to be a problem in the workplace. Yeah. I, yeah. Nobody knew. <laughs> The the classic one that people have liked the most is I dressed up as Wonder Woman a couple years ago. Oh, okay. You had the, the undies on and everything? Yeah, my, my hourglass figure really oh. highlighted the the sexuality of the costume. Oh wow, my my. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So what I mean, I know I'm like, I mean, we're going to go a little off topic here, but as a person that enjoys like nerdy, silly, goofy things and who does uh, appreciate the Muppets, uh, uh, specifically the Muppets take Manhattan. Um, what would you say is your, your favorite nerdy thing? Like where, where is your, where's your angle focus on the most as far as nerdy stuff goes? Oh, it varies a little bit. It's kind of, I don't take super deep dives into a lot of the stuff. Okay. So, like, I love I love the Muppets. I love Disney World's probably my biggest one. I like okay. Disney World. I okay. Is it like a Mickey Yeti thing? Disney, Disney. Say what now? Like a Mickey thing or like a just Disney in general? Uh, the parks. Okay. The okay. Parks. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Not really so the content. And, and comic book kind of things. Okay. Pro wrestling as well. I, yeah. There's a lot of them. Well, I mean, my husband's a comic book collector. So I, I there is a very large amount of comic books in my home. Uh, what is there a favorite character that you have? I'm a I'm a Captain America guy. Okay, he's a Batman guy. <laughs> I I enjoy, my buddy Clay is a huge Batman guy, and I, know, I love I like the Boy Scout of Captain America does the right thing, makes the right choices. Gotcha. Even with hard, I'm a sucker for some of that like easy cheesy stuff. So I'm like, oh, we need to be more like that. Ah, uh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's all the dark stuff. When he, I mean, uh, the whole basement of my house is Batman and Star Wars. So there's. Yeah, all of the, and then like the stuff that I like and talking about, I mean, I just, I own a lot of weird things, which I talked about way more on the radio than I do on this podcast, but like uh, in my living room, like above the the mantle is a giant velvet painting, which was originally a, a deer or a hunter shooting a deer, which now it's a guy wearing a proton pack shooting the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. That's incredible. <laughs> and anybody that comes over to, like, the cable guy or, like, when, you know, we have, like, whatever, all the stupid homeowner stuff when everything goes wrong, anybody that comes over to fix anything will stop mid-conversation and be like, that is awesome. <laughs> 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 I own a lot of bad taxidermy. I find that personally hilarious. <laughs> um, so, like, it's just, like, that, uh, at least for me, where I'm like, I'm an adult and why can't I have this in my house where I'm like, I, I don't know. That's where like my weirdness goes of like, why does it have to look like a traditional, whatever yeah. I have to have this decor um, that 
if I want my decor in my house to be a velvet painting with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and also uh, um, my cat Marty RIP of her, a friend, I commissioned a friend to make this. She did it with colored pencils. It's a big art piece of my cat fighting a bear in a lightning storm. And that's also in my living room <laughs> of like, I'm an adult. Like I, why can't I decorate things the way cool. I want? And if like, I also just want to wear costumes and like fill my life with like weird crap, including bad taxidermy, then I'm like, why, why am I not allowed to do that? So some people get it. Other people are like, yeah, people, not weird. everybody's cool like us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My fiance, I have, we'll call them action figures. I have about 350 of them. Oh my God. And she just she has me hide them in the basement. Well, you said, let's nothing. call them action figure. Like what, <laughs> what are There's they? <laughs> Nobody can, for an audio medium, this is a great example for you. But like those little, little toy guys here. Don't they like, are those things that, one, don't they have like, are they all the things with like the big heads? Do yeah, they, like, they have they're a name? Funko Pop Vinyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I have a former former coworker that has a butt ton of those. Yeah, um, we're weird, like it weirdly gets their hooks in if you like dorky things, and they push all the buttons. Yeah, oh, that's where. Yeah, it, I mean everybody's got their thing. Yeah, um, and that's where I just think it's it, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, because I don't know, I have so many interests. I don't really go down the that nerd hole so much for for myself. I really like like I don't know I have my all of my own like other weird nerd holes but like it's like uh, you know I really like hiking and stuff like that so I'll go down these like deep paths of like that sort of stuff um, so it's like everybody's got their thing but I think it's interesting that you took that blend especially something that yeah, I'm very familiar with like that those sorts of things and tied that into a gym. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody do that. I mean, not that I've been to every gym, but you know what I mean? Out of like, I, that's just something you don't see a lot of because like, it's usually like specifically to health and fitness. It's usually something very health and fitness tied into that business model. Mm -hmm. You're not seeing really anything like outside. I mean, hiking and stuff makes sense if you're going to take an outdoor angle and tie that like something else that's like fitnessy into a fitness space. But to tie like Muppets <laughs> and toys yeah. of like, I'm like that's I don't know. To me, I just think that's like super cool and interesting because again, like we we were talking about earlier of like, I think that lessens this scariness where I feel like a gym can be a super intimidating place, especially because you don't know one of the two, the trainers are, if it is a personal training gym or just who the population is going there. Like we were just discussing like a crunch, like I, I have not been to a crunch, but I can, from looking in the windows at crunch, I'm like, I don't think I would fit in there. Like, yeah. I'm like, I, I don't like, so it's like already just kind of like you get this vibe of like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to fit. I feel intimidated. I'm not even going to walk in the door because I feel like this is scary and I don't belong. But I think even if like silly things like puppets or T-Rexes or costumes or anything like that isn't your jam, it at least lightens the atmosphere a little mm -hmm. bit to be like, okay, well, it's not just come in here and grind real hard and sweat through your shirt and you're going to have to like, we're going to lunk alarm this place out, out of like in the, I just feel like it just makes it so much more soft, I guess, if I'm trying yeah. to find a good word for it. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly soft's a good term. Like it it dulls the edges a little bit for people so that they don't feel 
as intimidated when they come in. Because, I mean, we still have people who are, I mean, I've got one of my longest-term clients, this guy named Tom. He's an older guy. Now he's officially grandpa now. And the guy can deadlift 400 pounds. Dang. And he started with me with, like, back and hip pain a decade ago. And you're just like, this is incredible. But if somebody who's never done anything before comes in on day one and Tom's doing a heavy deadlift day and they see him deadlifting 400 pounds, you're like, oh, my goodness, what do I walk into? Is that going to be me? Yeah. And you're like, no, no, it could be you if that's what you want it to become. But, like, we're going to start you over here. We're going to meet you where you are at every time and then let you find your own path in a way. And as the meathead in me, like I want them to do that. I want everybody to deadlift three, 400 pounds. I want all of that to happen for them. But I'd also not going to force anything upon anybody. It's going to be, we're going to go at your pace. You're an adult who can make decisions. I'm going to provide all the information, all the support that I can. But at the end of the day, some the people has to be the people, the person inside them has to be the one to make that active choice to do something. Yeah. So what would you say in your experience, um, let's just say like specifically to owning your gym and working in that space of being a trainer there and owning it, what would you say are like some of the biggest wins that you've had or you've seen some of your clients have? The the biggest thing is consistency. Like it helps when you see somebody who comes in twice a week, never misses, never skips, gets a couple walks in every week and does things like that's what I look for. Those are those things where people's consistency, like Tom coming out of low back pain to being able to deadlift 400 pounds, like he's a grandpa and he can do this stuff. And you're like, oh my God, this, like how many of his friends can do this? Yeah. And there's none. And it's those things are so cool to me. So I, the meathead physical culturist in me, just loves when I see somebody return from pregnancy and be able to recover in their own time frame, but like to get back to doing Dallas safely and effectively and the, to get their first chin up. Like those things are what make me so happy of just their physical confidence improving. So what are your favorite things to do? Like what, what is your workout routine look like? Uh, it's super basic. So I actually do the same stuff that our clients do. So it's trap bar deadlift. It's Romanian deadlifts. If I had to pick three to do for the rest of my life, I do Romanian deadlifts, farmer's carry, probably maybe dumbbell incline press, dumbbell bench press kind of thing. So okay. those are probably my top three. Okay. that I mean, I think that's a, a thing too that most people get hung up on, especially if you're watching like Instagram influencers and stuff like that of like, they're creating content. They're n- yeah. not necessarily means that they're, they're showing you what a good depiction of health is or how you should move your body. Mm-hmm. They need flashy content and make their ass look good um, or look good in some gray sweatpants or whatever their, their angle is. So you give them likes so they can get money. <laughs> and so it's not like, so they're doing all these flashy things because they're content creators. Yes, it's um, not real life. Yeah. And so then yeah. I think that you get the confusion and I've done this also in the past. Of like, okay, well, I'm going to do these, well, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do this workout routine that I saw this person who I saw her physique and I would like to look that way. And so I'm going to follow what she does at the gym and she's doing all these crazy things and and figuring all this out. So I'm going to go there and I'm going to do all these crazy things because I think it's really easy to get your head, as you was going to spoken from, you know, personal experience in the past of, 
of like, well, this is what I should be doing of like, I, I don't, I don't know any different. I'm just trying to be healthy. I'm trying to move my body. Like this person seems to know what they do. They look pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. So now I, I'm going to have to do all of these different moves. And if I'm not doing a different thing every time I come in, oh, well, I must not be doing it right. Right. Yeah. It has to be different. It has to be, if I'm not drowning in a pool of sweat and can barely walk the next day, I didn't do anything. Yeah. It's yeah. Real fitness is combating all of those fads and trends you see on Instagram. Because yeah. like you said, it's content. It's not, it's not real. That's yeah. not what training is. Or just even getting in the mindset of like, well, this is what I have to do for, you know, make sure I have the, you know, hit them booty gains. So I have to get mm -hmm. on the stair machine and kick backwards because that's what yeah. girls do on Instagram. Like they're just doing that because it makes their ass look hot. And yeah. so it's like, is that really growing your glutes? And I'm like, but if you don't know any better and you're just like, she's got a pretty thick booty and yeah. that's what she's doing. I'm, I'm going to try that. And then when it's not working for me, I'm just going to give up and not go to the gym anymore. I think that's just like, it can be such a, a dangerous place to be. It is because it's like kind of like you said the content side like that gets likes that looks good so people click on it. What they didn't post is you know her doing squats and lunges and deadlifts to make and genetics to make her glutes look like that. Yeah, <laughs> and then you see people wasting time on things like that, and this cycle continues for everybody. Do you find that you get clients that when they come in like kind of have that sort of agenda that you have to? talk to them about of like that they've kind of been doing those things on their own or they'll show you a picture or a video and be like, this is what I'm going to be. We, yes and no. So the culture that we've set up, like we don't really, we don't weigh anybody. We don't really do measurement kind of stuff with people. Cause that's, I think we have it for a handful of people that want to do it. But we never push it kind of on people, mm -hmm. but we have this mentality when people come in of like, Oh, I need to look like this. And so then it's just a very gentle approach of like, oh, that's awesome. Like, that's a wonderful goal. And then we'll kind of like, what's your look, what's your life look like? How many, what's your, do you have kids? What's your job? What is your experience in the gym before? And just kind of trying to then get them to have realistic expectations of what fitness can do for them. Saying like, you very much could look like this Instagram model, but it's going to require these 100 things and no social life. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you really want to take this path? Like, or we can make you look better with your shirt off. That's what anybody, that's what really anybody trains for anyway. You just want to look good naked. Good naked. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the new host. <laughs> Hold up real quick. Let me change the intro. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's what people, yeah. And it's just, kind of setting realistic expectations. So we see that come in fairly. It's not, thankfully it's not happening as much anymore. Yeah. The people are starting to, I think it's slowly coming around that people are starting to come in with slightly better expectations and healthier outlooks because there's more voices like you putting out more realistic. This is what fitness and health is. Yeah. And I just think even too, just even seeing the evolution through things, um, through so much of, of my end where I've been specifically, I mean, 
I think a lot of people come to me with the idea of weight loss because so much of my journey includes uh, weight loss. And so that's obviously a part of who I am and everything that I've been through. But even that has changed so much culturally in the past couple of years, like where I know, like if I post a before and after, I will get roasted now. Um, And so it's like, well, that hasn't happened before. And so, um, you know, and that's where it's like we are having more of the conversation of like this shouldn't just be like a biggest loser thing. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be like just losing weight is what the idea of success is, or you're not a worthy person um, because of your weight, which, I mean, that it just sucks for me being an elder millennial that like, that's what my upbringing was. And it was for so many other people of just kind Mm -hmm. of like, you know, those older pictures of Jessica Simpson and people were telling her she was fat. And I'm like, she's looking freaking hot. What are you talking about? And so like, that's what like I grew up with and I grew up being bullied for my weight from my own family and from, you know, kids and adults and, you know, everything else of just kind of like, you get so beat into your head of like, Mm -hmm. the only thing you have to be obsessed about is be smaller and be, you know, way less, be less take quit taking up so much space yeah and so like that's the messaging so far or like so much and so i'm glad that there's that shift has been changing a lot of like i don't know if it's fully going into health as much as it is just going into like self-love and not and finding worthiness in in your body and who you are and taking care of your body at that size instead of just like well how could you know health isn't being overweight of like you can totally be healthy and and be overweight it's just what are what steps are you taking i just think that has shifted so much and i've seen that you just even with you know the personal training that i've done in the past year and a half is just like we focus on being strong and feeling good Mm -hmm. i'm like you want to lose weight that's great like that's fine i'm not going to push that on anybody and i don't feel like that's being pushed on people as much anymore of just feel strong move your body and be what version of health that, that you want to be. So I feel like that's going into a healthier space, at least again, like that's, it's weird that that's still like living within the same waters of all of this Instagram booty. Here's my six pack and all this other like toxic crap that comes along with it. I don't know. It's a weird time. It's a weird time to be alive. (laughs) Everything has to be extreme, right? So it's like, you're gonna get roasted if you put a before and after. You're gonna get roasted if you tell people to lose weight. You're gonna get roasted if you like. Yeah. There's this happy medium where like, if somebody has a lot of extra weight on their body, like, yeah, it's gonna be hard on the heart over long term. It's yeah. gonna be hard on the joints. Like, there are things that probably need to be addressed long term for that. It has no value of them as a person or yeah. their capabilities. All these things, which I think is what the focus and the biases so we're so firmly ingrained in mm-hmm. kind of like you had said that pendulum kind of settles of like, this is what health looks like for me. My health markers are good. My body feels good. I am strong. If they're doing the day-to-day activities or eating their vegetables, they're eating the proteins they're going on walks or lifting a couple of times, the body will eventually come down. Yeah. And wait, it'll settle in a, a weight that they can live with long-term. Yeah. And I think it's like, at least for me too, of like having these markers, like you brought up like, you know, the, the man that like deadlifted and stuff like that Mm -hmm. of like, you're focusing on different sorts of things. Like for me, I know when I'm eating like trash, like, yeah, there's a part of me that so worries about like gaining weight and like, and like, I think that that lives within all of us. Like, I don't think there's really any avoiding that. I mean, like we, there's just say that you don't care about aesthetics at all. I don't think is, is, is true, but mm-hmm. it's like, I know if I'm eating like trash, 
I'm like, I don't like my knees to hurt. <laughs> so it's like right. if I'm making bad decisions for myself and I can tell I'm gaining weight rather than being flipped out about my pant size, I'm like, well, I don't like when I go up and down stairs and my knees hurt like hell. Yeah. And I can tell the difference when I'm not eating such inflammatory foods and I'm eating much cleaner and I'm taking better care of my health. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'd rather than focusing on my pant size, I'd rather focus on I don't have to think about my knees because they hurt because I can't, you know, smack the, the, all of the gluten and all these inflammatory things for me that inflame my body out of my hand. So to me, that's a good marker of like, okay, well, we got to rein it in back to my health versus I need to get in my bikini body. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I feel like I'm hoping the conversation kind of goes a lot into that space um, of just like, again, like having health at the forefront and like, how do you feel like, I don't know, so much of the things I talk about of like, especially when people are talking about like, and I don't really want to label foods good and bad, but it's like, if you're eating something that's not that great for you, how will you feel mentally and physically on the other side of that choice? If you know, like, yeah, you can eat a whole birthday cake if you want, like nobody's going to tell you no. But if right. you know, on the other side of that, like mentally, you're going to beat yourself up because you're going to be like, oh, my God, you're so useless. Like yeah. you can't stick to anything. And then you're going to feel like trash because you're going to have a stomach ache and you're just going to feel like lethargic and gross. Like that's telling you something of like, how do you feel on the other side of that choice rather than just focusing on, you know, will I fit in this size clothes if I make this choice? Yeah, I mean, and I think it falls into kind of like this land of extremism that seemingly everything is in now. I remember it was a couple of years ago at a Christmas party, I was eating a Christmas cookies and somebody said, and I quote, isn't he a personal trainer? <laughs> and I was like, and I heard, I was like, yeah, and cookies are delicious. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to not live life at the same time. Yeah. And I think it's, it's this weird there's extremism where when people can focus on, yes, if you're going to beat yourself up over eating a cookie, we need to work on that aspect. And if you can change that focus on how's my body feel? How's my energy level? Am I doing the things I want to do with my life? That's when we can start actually bringing up our body fully. Yeah. And kind of healing some of these relationships with food and with exercise that so many people have trainers included, usually even more so than normal, not more so, but and the same level as other people have. Yeah. You can't tell me that somebody who refuses to ever touch something does not have an unhealthy relationship with food. Yeah. They're terrified to eat a cookie because they might not look as good in an Instagram post. Like that's an unhealthy relationship at that point too. Or it doesn't fit the specific diet they're doing. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's like if you, yeah, if it's one of the, and the, I mean, it's different than if it's like an allergy or an intolerance or something mm-hmm. like that. Like there's a different level between that. And I think that's what's great about having a personal trainer is you have somebody to have those conversations with. Um, again, granted that you have a good personal trainer. And so, and I think that you probably can get the vibe if you vibe with somebody or not, if you've hired a personal trainer, that like these are the kinds of conversations that you can have because it is like hard and confusing because there's with the access to the internet, like you're going to have like 8,000 babillion, you know, conversations and opinions coming your way. And it's hard to sort through all of that. So it's like, well, if you have somebody one-on-one that understands you and you can ask these questions to, I think that not only are they going to help you with the exercise and, and that's what you're paying them for, but they're also somebody that can kind of pull you back into reality of like what health is for you. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's like, is having that, developing that relationship and getting to understand a person as a person helps with all those things. And I think so much of training is so focused on squat, deadlift, bench, squat, deadlift, bench. We've got to exercise, exercise, exercise. We forget that they're humans. Yeah. Right? Like, they're going to have weird feelings and conflicting feelings about things all over the place. And I think that's part of the reason I, like, I lean towards the fun and the lightheartedness because I want people to be able to. I had a lady come into the office the other day. Like, she was like, people cry in the gym. Like, it's going to happen. <laughs> And like, and you just kind of guide them through, ask them some questions, and they're going to come to these realizations of, oh, like, life's hard sometimes, and we're not going to make great choices all the time, and we're not going to be able to make perfect choices all the time either. Yeah. And sometimes it would be impossible to make a perfect choice. So I do have to ask you, because I have never done personally or professionally the, the kind of personal training that you do at your gym, which is like small group personal training. Mm-hmm. So like, what would you tell somebody like me? which is a potential client where I'm like that, like, cause like group classes a lot of times give me anxiety. Like Mm -hmm. I, I feel like, Oh, I'm slowing everybody down or I feel stupid and I don't know what I'm doing. So it's like, if I'm like, from my understanding, you have like, there's the personal trainer and you would have like four or five people that you're training at once. Is that, is that correct? So it's like, so for me where I'd be like, that kind of freaks me out a little bit where the personal training that, that I'm used to personally and professionally is one-on-one so like one person so like so have you had to to deal with that like of anybody that's like this kind of like gives me some concern about training with like five other people yeah we had there's people who so much of their thought of what training is is we're rep counters and that's all they kind of see it as Mm -hmm. you're kind of like well there's so much more to that and so before we made the shift everybody had their own program, they're on their own timeline and everything, but it wasn't productive on our end. The trainers are getting burnt out. So we basically changed it. Everybody is already doing the same, basically 20 exercises. It was just on a different schedule. So now it's all on the same schedule and there's different tiers. And then we put people in the appropriate tier. And then if they have a shoulder issue, if they have a back issue, if they have a knee issue, we make adjustments for the person inside of that tier. So we know... a. Uh, one of one of an, a former client just went to the gym a couple weeks ago, and I trained them one on one back in grad school. And when they came here, I told them, and they were worried about some of those differences. And we, the way we communicate to staff, we have Google Docs that go around, so we track everything. Like if somebody says my knee felt funky after a hike this weekend, that goes into Google Docs, so we all know about it. So if we need to make any adjustments, whether they work with me, Helen, Zach, or Halen, no matter who it is they're working with, we're all on the same page. We all teach the same way so that we can make sure that we're meeting that client where they are that given day. Okay. So it allows us to scale everything and still individualize it. But at the same time, we're all, our bodies are pretty much the same. Like our shoulders all work the same way. Elbows work the same way. There's to be variations in the person. So that's where the individualization comes in of, all right, you can't do this type of squat or you're not ready for this type of exercise, but you can do this version of it. So we make sure that everybody can kind of do those things together. Okay. And then it allows for some camaraderie in the gym as well. So everybody's at their own pace and it's kind of fun. So it allows us to kind of take away the competitive comparison side of that group fitness stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and kind of see people like it makes it more supportive at the same time rather than I know a lot of people voice me I've only done a couple group classes but it's been voiced to me many a time of it feels very competitive with each other and very comparison based versus this is like oh we're all on our own journey doing our own thing and this is where I am yeah well that's awesome yeah because that's where I get in my head of again like I'm slowing everybody down everybody's like watching me and that's just my own that's my own personal anxiety uh just like training you know as, as an individual um but then that makes sense too is also from a personal training aspect i would be concerned if, if you're training five people at a time and everybody's doing different movements of like oh my god like can, my eyes can't be in that many places at once mm-hmm. and would i not be able to guide them through it or, or i don't want anybody to get injured or hurt and because i'm focusing on this one person over here but i'm training mm-hmm. five people so that makes sense if everybody is doing the same movement together with the variation that like fits for whatever mm-hmm. their individual needs are then that may yeah that just that makes a ton of sense yeah and then the nice thing um with the people going at our pace because it's still a training session if somebody's done in 45 minutes, they're done in 45 minutes. If somebody's done in 58 minutes, they're done in 58 minutes. So people go at their own pace Okay. at the same time in that. So it's kind of this unique hybrid where we're able to make adjustments on the fly. We have people, a ton of people training for the pig right now. Yeah. So the people training for the pig, like your lower leg volume is going to go down drastically. We're doing more hamstring work. We're doing more of the stuff because their knees and their knees need a break. Yeah. From all the mileage. So we're going to do other things for them to help stabilize and help them get towards their goal, but in the same system as everybody else. So I have to slide this in there. If anybody is wanting to do the flying pig marathon, use code Amanda 22, 2022, or sorry, Amanda 22 to save 10% off of any oh, race. Yeah. <laughs> Kirsten, Joel. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> gotta use a gotta use that promo code, and that's where yeah, with those races and stuff. I mean, that's why my knees are so jank. One of the reasons. Uh, and so for my own personal journey and the things again I've learned through personal experience and, and injury, is so I lost a ton of weight by doing just an insane amount of cardio. And if I had to do it over again, I would absolutely throw in strength training. But I was mm-hmm. a person that was very afraid of gyms because I had very bad experiences with exercise um in in my life like um so like with PE teachers and and everything else so I'm like that that just didn't feel like a safe space for me and so I didn't I didn't go and if I did go I did the classic I'm gonna go here and go on the elliptical and go for 20 minutes and say I went to the gym and then I'm gonna peace out um so but I love walking I mean still even now like my fate if you ask me my favorite exercise it's walking like I just I love walking I love hiking specifically um, although the, I, the hiking is, I try to do as much as I can in Cincinnati. Um, but it's definitely not like in, in Oregon where I lived before I got very spoiled, like living in the mountains, but, um, but I just love to walk. And so I did a walking and then I did running I started with a couch to 5k podcast mm-hmm. and then just did a butt ton of running, but I had no idea of form. I, you know, I was uh, over a hundred pounds heavier and my body was changing in, I, my, uh, from what I understand from the extensive amount of like, uh, doctors and everything and physical therapists I've seen for like my knees and my hips and stuff is one, just genetically how my body was kind of built anyway. Mm -hmm. And then having a drastic change of how like my body didn't know how to rehold 
from weight loss and then grinding these really bad patterns into the ground by just an insane amount of high impact because I didn't know how much I should run or whatever. I mean, I was running every other day, hiking in the days in between, like I was just beating the shit out of my knees. And so it's, but I was losing weight and I was feeling good and it was something I loved to do. But from all of that, it just caught up to me. And I, you know, and then I, now I can't run anymore. Well, I shouldn't run. It has been highly recommended me not to run anymore, but I still walk all the time. But it's like one of those things of like, again, if I would have had some sort of guidance and somebody to be like, in, in the, and in, in not ignoring yellow lights where it's like, I was in pain and I was hurting my knees and yes. I'm like, I don't care. I'll give it a break for a week. Like when I was training for my first half, like my knee started killing me and I went to the doctor and they're like, you shouldn't do this thing. But for me, I raised so much money for St. Jude that I'm like, I was being flown to Nashville to run in this thing. I'm like, I have to go. Like I raised money. I am yeah. going for a charity. I don't care. Like, well, you might pay the price later because you're going to wreck your knee by running on this thing. I'm like, shut up. I don't want to listen to this. And so I just went and did it anyway. But not only that, like when there wasn't a charity attached to it, like anytime I would be in some pain, I would, you know, ice it up for a couple of days and then get right back on it and just ignore all of those signals because I didn't have somebody in my life being like, yo, well, maybe we should work on that hamstring work and we should yeah. do all those things. And I think that's classic, especially for runners of like, you just want to run and you don't want to do anything else. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the price for, I pay for that now is I can't do that anymore. And that's something that I really enjoyed doing. I mostly enjoyed when it was over, but like, <laughs> and I enjoyed all the bling. And so it's, you know, you, you can't ignore those things or you're going to learn the hard way that you, you know, you need to take better care of your body because you're stuck with this body for the rest of your life. And if you yes. beat it up, then you're not going to, you're not going to replace it. This is it. Yeah. I, I'm with you. So the meathead in me, part of me, I love the fact that like, no, I set up this, there's charity involved. I did this. Like the meathead in me says, yes, there are times when you just kind of push through Yeah. rare instances like that. But most of the time it's people just ignore those, like the yellow lights is a perfect term for it. Right. Of like, slow down, wait for tomorrow kind of thing of, and people have the hierarchy of most people, like I said earlier, want to look better naked. Like that's yeah. why people work out. Right. And the hierarchy of it, it's, you know, it's nutrition, it's strength training, it's daily activity and walking, and then it's extra cardio. We need to do all of the things to make ourselves fully function and healthy, but we do so much in our early years that we don't think how is this going to impact us when we're 50, 60, 70 and beyond kind of thing? Yeah. Where those yellow lights can add so many more years of activity and so many years of doing things. If we just think about fitness and more of a long-term approach with stuff. Yeah. And just even like, again, to that point, um, even so, I, when I first moved to Cincinnati, I was still running a ton, even though like, so I was just slapping a brace on my knee. So two years in a row, I did the three way with extra cheese for the pig, um, for the people that are listening that don't aren't in Cincinnati and have no idea what that means. It's, I would do a one mile race on, on a Friday. Um, and I mean, I, I had an awesome time doing it, so I'm not knocking this at all. I just should have made better choices for me. Yeah. Uh, it's a one mile race on a Friday, Saturday's a 10 K immediately followed by a five K. And then Sunday I did the half, um, 
And so even like my boss at the radio station is just kind of like, you're going to pay for this later. Like you're just, you're just grinding it into the ground now. Like you're, when you get older, you're going to be like, Oh, why didn't I slow down? Like, shut up, dad. (laughs) 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 And I mean, this is just a few years ago. And even now I'm just going to like, Oh yeah, my knees are like, (laughs) (laughs) you probably should have not just kept pushing so hard because you thought the metals were cool. (laughs) (laughs) One of the students in my class, he's a runner. He's a hundred and maybe thirty-five pounds soaking wet. He's this tiny little skinny guy that loves running. That's what he does. And I told him, I was like, oh, I've done a, I've done a marathon as a bucket list years ago. And he asked, like, oh, why don't you still do it? I was like, my body is so much bigger than yours. So I was like, you're. He's like five seven, 130, 140 pounds. I was like, I'm six one, two hundred fifteen pounds. Like that is way more weight going through my joints. Mm. we're doing thousands of strides a mile like my body will not tolerate that to the volume it will tolerate in his body so like, i did it because i wanted to do it and it was enjoyable for me at the time yeah but yeah it's people also i think try to shoehorn into things yeah. versus letting their body kind of dictate what they are good at yeah i think one of those things too another good example of that and again not to trash on it um because a lot of people find a lot of great success and love it is CrossFit mm-hmm. um, of like, you're going to, you're, if you're like got, you're taped up in order to do a workout that you can't function with a workout without being braced up and taped up. Like that is your body giving you a signal of perhaps you're beating it up too hard. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to force something that maybe your body is just like, yo, can, can we chill for a minute? But it's so hard when you're in that mentality of something, mm-hmm. again, speaking from personal experience, like you don't want to slow down. You don't want to stop and you get in the, the headspace of like, well, if I take a break, I'm going to lose everything that I've gained or I'm going to slide into just not doing it at all anymore. So I have to do this and I have to keep it up this hard. Otherwise, it's going to going to go away. And that is a dangerous space to be in just as much as doing nothing is a dangerous space to be in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Mark, uh, Mike Boyle, he's a world famous strength and conditioning coach. He, he talked about the term like orthopedic cost. So like everything that we do has an orthopedic cost, right? If you do a things a lot of times, like a lot of heavy power lifting, like your joints are probably getting beat up over time. Lots of running, your joints get beat up over time and everything has its inherent gap when you get into like these very specific niche program design kind of things, whether it's running to cross with powerlifting to whatever people are into. And it's interesting. We said like, you don't want to knock on, but at the same time, if you bring up like, not everybody's built for this, not everybody should do this. It's like, why are you shitting on this thing, man? I love this. I'm like, good. You should love it. Yeah. You should do it if it makes you feel good, but just be aware that like, CrossFit, for example, has done more for weightlifting and strength training than probably any other modality has done in recent years. And it's amazing. And at the same time, it should be known that, like, it has lots of flaws in the programming. Yeah. And pointing that out isn't shitting on it. It's just kind of like people should know that the 45-year-old lawyer or somebody who's never weightlifted before, never done any training before, that might not be the best road for them to get into fitness. Yeah. Well, and it's also just like, and, and uh, but I think that, I think the thing that I really appreciate about CrossFit is the community. Yes. Um, um, so like that part of it, 
because uh, I, I tried it briefly for a few months uh, when I lived in Oregon. And so I, I liked that aspect of it. I thought that was super cool. I like the fact that it was like in a garage and you just mm-hmm. felt like a birdus. And I'm like, okay, I'm like into this. And then when we did the actual workouts, I'm like, I am dying. Like I, I, I know I'm doing the form incorrect, but you have to do as many reps as possible. So I'm like, you just keep on cranking. My thumbs went numb for two days once. And like when I was doing one workout and the trainer, I was just like, I'm like, I'm going to puke. And he's like, oh, I already puked twice today. Like, go ahead. And I'm like, I don't want to puke. <laughs> and so I'm like, that ain't for me. And so it's just like one of those things of like understanding of like, this is not the space for you. But I think I think a big draw is not only being strong and feeling a, like a badass of how much we all just really crave community. And especially yeah. with something that can be really intimidating and scary like fitness to have a community feel to that so you don't feel alone, you feel supported in doing those things is is really huge. And I don't feel like you hear a ton about other other areas of fitness having that more than CrossFit. Like that's kind of associated together and you don't really hear about other gyms where community is attached so much to it, at least in like, you know, culturally speaking. Yeah, 100%. And that's the biggest thing that they've done for fitness is that community side. And I think that's how it's reached such huge popularity is because that community and make people feel heard, especially now with, we were talking about the Instagram stuff before we recorded, like, and Brene, uh, Brene Brown discussed the difference between broadcasting and, um, oh, I'm blanking on the term, vulnerability. Yeah. Right. So people throw these things up on Instagram thinking that they're being vulnerable and they're trying to find this community anywhere they can. And it's just broadcasting. So it ends up being empty. So then people continue this search. And I think nobody really has that community that they can love and feel supported in, which is why it's so important to create that in the gym, in an environment, to find that thing that you genuinely love to do. Oh, my God. I love that you quoted Brene Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not your typical meathead over here. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Do you read Brene Brown's books? Do you listen to her podcast? Uh, I listen. So I am a big fan of her and Simon Sinek. I don't know. So I listen to both of them. I've read all of Simon's books. I have my fiance yells at me because I have a growing list of books that I have not gotten through yet, but I just keep adding to it. So she has informed me I can no longer buy another book until I finally get through the pile. (laughs) (laughs) One of her, I forget which one, one of her books is somewhere in that pile. So I will eventually begin to her books as well, but I, I've listened to her many a time. Okay. What would you say your favorite book is, or I guess maybe the, the most impactful book that you've read? Oh, I like Essentialism a lot and Start With Why. Well, tell me about that. I don't know what that is. Start With Why is Simon Sinek. Uh, okay. It's a really good one. Uh, and then a lot of those books I too, like you can read like the first half to two thirds and they get really repetitive. You're like, all right, I got the message. And you can kind of toss it. That one I made it all the way through, um, and essentialism. I'm trying to look at my bookshelf over here. So, what are these books about? Because I don't, I don't know who this person is. Uh, Simon Sinek is very much similar to Brene Brown. Okay. So there, if you actually on her podcast, uh, they did one. I know it's on Simon's podcast. It's called A Bit of Optimism. They did one with Brene Brown. It was called. The title is just called the one with Brene Brown. Okay. Really oh, like a friend's forward. reference. Like, Two, two smart people talking smartly about smart things. And you're like, oh, my God, this is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, well, that's awesome. That, that's a new podcast for me to check out, too. I was like, yeah, I did, 
yeah, I'm down for any, I love Brene Brown. So, and I'm currently reading, um, oh, I can't forget the other dude's name, but he's a neuroscientist, uh, an Oprah's book of what happened to you, which is real. This is this, see, this is my current rabbit hole of, uh, how we hold trauma in the body. And so I, okay. I really like, um, like the idea of like the body keeps the score, um, and lifting heavy things of, so, uh, as a person who has had a lot of trauma in my life. And I think that plays a role into me having, like, I don't feel my body a lot when I exercise. Like I have glute amnesia of like going down the rabbit hole of like, was because something your, your mind is telling you that your body isn't a safe space. So how can I feel my body as a safe space so I can make that mind body connection again? Um, so that, that really intrigues me, um, a lot. And I feel like that happens to a lot of people, especially being a a trainer that so many people are like, where do you feel this? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, as a person that feels that too, of like, well, okay, how can we, instead of like, is there, there a deeper cause behind that of like, why do you cannot attach your body to your brain and it's a lot of things of like stuff that happened to you they don't go so much into the body connection in this oprah book but it's just kind of like if you've been through any sort of trauma which hello we all just or we're still in a global pandemic yeah there's a level of trauma to that so like how is that affecting our life's decisions how we behave in life how do we numb out how do we disassociate from things um especially like oprah talks about this book hers is food and that's for me too of being a binge eater of like if something that triggers you because something that happened to you and you know how to disassociate and you know, like that's how you, your coping mechanism is you go to, to food to, so you don't feel that for a minute. Like then how, how do you dive into that? And on one recognize that that's what you're doing. And two, like how can you go through the process neurologically to undo that and find better things and coping mechanisms for that and understanding those, like how you just like behave in life. So yeah, that's, that's my rabbit hole right now. That's a fun rabbit Have you read uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear? Yes. Yeah. I feel like, th- I feel like it's one of those things where all of those things, when you get to the deeper level, then you have to find the system to help with the habits and to help with those things. But so much of those people just have no awareness yeah. of what they're doing. Like we just kind of like coast through because we have so many things pulling us in so many directions that nobody can focus on anything. Mm-hmm. And then they expect because, you know, everything wants the Amazon two day delivery kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like, why are my glutes firing on this thing? We're like, have you been doing RDLs with like the foot position, like doing all these things every week for like a year? And we're like, oh, no, I've bounced around. All- like, okay, let's, you need to have this learning curve to do these things. And I think it's a combination of lack of awareness and people want these immediate things. Yeah. And people are scared of that learning curve because of their past experiences and the traumas that they have that it's, you go into these guarded states, I think all the time. Yeah. I think it's really hard for people to find those outlets to get out of that. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's so hard to take a hard look in the mirror too. Like you have to like go through that gross part of like, look at the ugliest parts of yourself and like, look at them and like understand them and feel them of like, I mean, let's not talk about this so much in therapy of like, you know, feel your feelings. So instead of like, I'm having a negative feeling, I'm going to drink it away or I'm going to eat it away or I'm going to watch too much TikTok or whatever your thing is or over exercise it away of like, again, like having that self-awareness of like, I'm going to sit in here and like, it's so hard to feel it, look Mm -hmm. at it and be like, 
this is what I do. And this is like, or how I harm other people through these actions. And it sucks because you just have to look at these things that you don't like about yourself, but it's like, it's not going to fix itself. And it definitely isn't going to fix itself immediately without taking those first steps of like going through the yuck of it. Um, before you can get to like, you know, the yummy, I've worked through it and now we're healed sort of, sort of vibe. But it's like, I don't know for, for me personally, I'm like, I would rather go through that yuck and look through it and feel better in my everyday life than to keep shoving it under the bed over and over again, which I've done for for most of my life. So that's why I kind of find this stuff super interesting of like all of the mental work that goes into it. And it's just finding all of those tricks that play into health and fitness. Like for me, like meal prepping, I know that's not everybody's jam and that's 1000%. Okay. I'm not pushing mm-hmm. that on anybody, but for me, that's a mental trick that helps me. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel centered. Like it makes, mm-hmm. it gives me lanes to be in. It makes me feel like less chaotic and anxious. If I open up the fridge and I don't know what the hell I'm going to eat it. Like I go, I, I make bad choices because it, it, it puts me into this like fight or flight. So it's like I so I know I found my ways around those sorts of of blocks of like, how does my brain work for this? And this works for me. That doesn't work for everybody. Or just even knowing I'm like, I will get burnt out on water bottles. So, yeah, I buy too many water bottles and I can totally shit on myself for that. You spend money on water bottles. But it's like I'll stop drinking water if I get bored with this water bottle or I need to go from a straw to not having a straw. So it's like, I know that that's what I need to do to drink more water. So let's work the system so I can figure out how to keep drinking more water rather than tell myself that I'm a trash human and I just can't stick to anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's people have that negative self-talk and they stew in it. They sit in it and then they have the trauma and the fear. So they don't want to dive into those things and do like you said, the messy stuff. Yeah. Like find that anchor thing. Like if more people kind of embrace some meal prep and structure of their week, they would find that anchor. It would take away so many stresses of their week and that decision making for them. And they can do it in ways that works in their lifestyle where they are. Yeah. And those anchor activities take away so much stress mm-hmm. later in the week. But you also then have an added stress of learning how to do it, fitting the practice into the schedule. And getting that messy stuff is so hard for people to get through. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, again, like, bring back to your point, like, the instant gratification of, like, it doesn't work immediately. But, like, nothing does. And it's, like, you know, an example that that I bring up all the time is just, like, well, you're not going to just sit down at a piano and start playing Mozart. Like, you're going to learn how to play Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star. And then you got to learn chopsticks. And you got to do all this other stuff. Like, it's going to take time. You're not, like, that's just practice. You just have to do it. And it's like, if this is something that you've truly sat down and thought like, I want this for myself, then you're going to have to put yourself through the frustrating parts of like, I don't know what all the keys on a piano are. And I'm going to have to fumble through that for a while and sound like a hot mess or I'm not going to get anywhere. And so it's like, if you keep giving up on it, I mean, then maybe it's not the most important thing to you. And I think that's what's so hard about health and fitness, too. It's just like you really have to be in that space for yourself. And I think it's such a dangerous space when people like even like doctors or whatever, like put you have to do this. You have to lose weight. You have to do this thing or a significant other or friends or whoever, family or whatever. It's like if you're not ready to make those choices for yourself, 
it's going to be really hard for you to start making those habit changes and everything because like you don't really want to do it. You're doing it for someone else and you have to want to do it for yourself and whatever language or mind tricks that you play to get that done. Because like, otherwise when it does get messy and hard, you're going to bail immediately if it's not what you really want. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It has to bring you some level of joy and solve a deep problem that you have in you that you want to do. Right, like it has to connect with you on a meaningful level, and that's where we talked earlier with people like, "Oh, give me a meal plan." Like this, that's the only way I've ever been able to have success with this. And you're kind of like, "Is it? Yeah. Like, has it? Did it work for you? Did it stay off? Is that was that the solution?" And again, it's yeah, people are scared of that yucky side. Yeah, and I think you have to be able to embrace this the fear of it. And so much of it in gym settings, I talk to my students about it, like the way we formulate, the way we teach the exercise, the way we scale everything is intended to give people early wins easy to get them lots of practice with these things because they're coming in in the middle, most of the time, in the middle of that yucky, I am terrified stage. So you want them to have these anchors that they can see improvement on so they can keep doing it. Mm -hmm. That way they can then add something that's a little bit harder and keep doing the hard things. Definitely. Man, from really talking about how we make the gym a fun atmosphere, we really took this down to a serious deep. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) And we brought it back around. On that note, <laughs> if somebody wants to have Brene Brown conversations and deep conversations, but also play with puppets, like how do they find you? I mean, obviously in Cincinnati, I mean, do you have any sort of virtual components for people that are listening to this that have zero associations to Cincinnati? Yeah, we are slowly developing that right now. So okay. We're going to be doing some beta tests and stuff with that right now because um, we now have – we have – software now that we can use to do that so we oh, will cool. be taking on some of that kind of stuff sweet but yeah it's websites is trilogyfitnesssystems.com i'm active with the same handle on instagram and then if people want to see my nerdy dumb stuff it's just matt casey k-a-s-e-e on instagram as well awesome well i feel like i have to end this somewhere otherwise we're going to talk until we both don't have voices anymore <laughs> <laughs> If people enjoy it, we can come back. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Welcome back anytime, man. Oh, wonderful. AmandaValentineBites.com